0: welcome back to the data-driven real estate podcast episode 22. this week we have the ceo of squarefoot Jonathan Wasserstrom. Uh, They're based out of New York City and they assist uh, commercial um, office owners into helping fill offices that people aren't using using technology. This week we talk about the difference between co-working space and flex space. We cover COVID trends and trends in the office space industry we should be looking at in 2021 and how commercial real estate agents are leveraging technology to build relationships with clients to create a long-term relationship that means a lot more business in the long term. That and much more on this week's show. Welcome back to the Data Driven Real Estate Podcast, uh, the podcast for real estate professionals dedicated to driving business using data. I'm Aaron Norris with Property Radar, and today we've got Jonathan Washerstrom. Jonathan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Jonathan, how wh- what was your journey into commercial real estate?
1: I lost a bet. Get uh, out of here! Really? No, um, I don't <laughs> know, I've always uh, been interested in it, uh, Now I almost got a job doing—excuse <clears throat> me—real estate coming out of college. Um, Instead, did consulting for a couple of years, was living in D.C., Uh, then uh, 2007, which was right when the fund started last time around, uh, started doing capital markets work at JLL, Uh, capital markets being some of the most fun things to be doing the last time the fund was. Um, So yeah, that's where I started kind of doing, uh, yeah, international real estate finance in
0: 2007. Okay. So how how did the idea of Square Foot come about?
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, spent a few years at JLL, uh, learned a lot, had a lot of fun. Plan was always to go back to business school, Uh, did that, brought me to New York, and shortly after that started, I got a call from a friend of mine who was looking for space for his last company. Mm -hmm. He had gone online to try and do that, thought you could find office space online, because you can find an apartment online, can't find office space online, Uh, so decided to try and fix that, so uh, that was kind of... The summer of 2011 in my parents' attic is how we quote started or where we started. Uh, been full time uh, since, um, yeah, since 2012 when I graduated.
0: So did did SquareFoot start as a technology company or a commercial brokerage that layered on technology?
1: Uh, a technology company, actually. When we first first started, uh, we were just doing the listings piece. So you can think of like Zillow for office space was the original idea. Um, and we pretty quickly saw that in addition to access to inventory, um, everybody also wanted help with the transaction. So we said, why well, try and fight it, we'll be brokers. So um, came a tech enabled brokerage. We were always a marketplace, right? The goal is always look small, medium sized businesses struggle uh, in their search for space. Um, if we look at residential analogs, there was the, the way of solving it just by bringing transparency with like a Zillow. And then there was a way of bringing uh, both transparency as well as uh, transaction services, which is like a redfin or a compass, and that's where we find ourselves.
0: It was really interesting reading the website, and I tried—you know—I played with the app, uh, booking some space. And I was really interested to know that, you know, was it was it technology as sort of an augmentation to the commercial service? Because reading on your website, you said, you know, sometimes people buy big, knowing that they want to grow, and this is a great way for them to underwrite um, expenses before they get to the completely filling up their commercial space. Yeah. But that's a great value-add service, especially for you help a a client complete a commercial transaction and then you're able to help them book the space that they're not using. That's a pretty powerful relationship play.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, so uh, maybe two years ago now, we bought a company called Pivot Desk. Uh, Pivot Desk, you can think of like Airbnb for Mm -hmm. office space um, where you have 10,000 square feet, uh, you're not using 2,000 square feet because that's your growth space. Uh, with PivotDesk, you can put on the platform uh, that excess uh, space uh, and monetize in the shorter term.
0: That's uh, that's actually really cool to be able to do. Um, in New York, I was playing with the... I just selected one area and I was cracking up because the range in prices range from a couple hundred dollars a square feet to 5,000 per square feet. <laughs>
1: so, that's about right.
0: Uh, New York. Uh, for those of you who've never lived in New York, um, I don't know if it's changed dramatically since I last lived there in 04, but you couldn't find a room, an apartment to rent. Everything is on such extreme lockdown. Is it still that way today?
1: It's uh, No, I mean, I've been going to the, I'm calling from home today, but I've been going to the office a few times a week. Um, I live in Westchester, just outside of the city. Okay. If I lived in the city, I'd be in my office four and a half days a week.
0: Okay. Uh so well, you mean just um I meant strictly from uh finding a space to to uh um, buy or uh, live in or rent. Um it was really on lockdown. It was really difficult to find anything. There was no technology at the time to help you get in. Is it still sort of behind the paywall and you really have to go through a broker or is something like square foot assisting in that?
1: Uh yeah, sorry. Uh lockdown means so many different things these days.
0: It does, and we'll get to that for sure. Okay.
1: Um no, so with square foot you can see uh, available inventory, right? The same way when you go to Zillow, um, you can see what's available to buy for a house. With square foot, you can see what's available to rent for um, office space.
0: All right, so COVID. Um, let's talk a little bit about pre-COVID. What did the co-working space look like before that? that um, WeWork was about to go public. It was just a a great time in co-working space.
1: Yeah, so look, say what one wants about WeWork, what WeWork did whenever they started maybe seven, eight, nine years ago, um, was showed the world, whatever, showed the industry that if you give tenants an option between one-year lease and a 10-year lease, they want the one-year lease, right? Historically, um, if you're looking for space where there's the two of us or 200 of us, you had one option, which was a 10-year lease. And WeWork said, wait a minute, there's another way to do that because it also co-work gets, uh, sorry, we work gets, uh, conflated both with co-working and with flexible, right? So all co-working is flexible, not all flexible spaces, co-working, okay whether it's we work or any other provider, there's both like, you know, if you picture in your mind's eye, like benches of desks with dogs running around a bunch of random people and whatever the kegs that everybody likes to talk about, but there's also private offices, uh, that have shorter, shorter term leases. Um, and that, that really hit the vein. Um, and you saw WeWork and a whole bunch of other people taking advantage of that opportunity. By the way, I think that opportunity has never been bigger as we sit here today.
0: I, uh, I make a joke. I've noticed the garageification of um, people on Zoom calls. Uh, now that we're six months in, uh, people are moving into the garages because they're tired of being with their kids inside the house. So I, w- I would agree with you.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, work from home is definitely not the future remote work will be part of the future i think everybody's going to be back in offices sooner rather than later
0: i think it's going to be more of a hybrid model
1: um i think it depends on the company on the employee um in the city right so i'll use myself as an example when i was 27 graduating business school i guess 20 whenever i graduated business school five roommates yep. lived in village which is exactly where we wanted to live um not really conducive to having six of us home all day if if we all were if we were all working from home then we're all home all day where we sit at the dining room table we'd sort of like professionals like with jobs reached like having conference calls it's just not going to happen so work from home is not a thing in, in a city like new york i don't think right because the living yeah. space isn't conducive to working space so then you're going to say great well you know, commute sucks. I don't want to go to the office. So you still need office space. And so you have something that's slightly closer to your apartment, but that doesn't have all the creature comforts of your full office. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think a lot of these will happen at the margin the way they already were. Right. So freelancers were already not working in their apartments. They were working in, 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 co working spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, me now, I'll use myself as an example too. And I am very careful of of extrapolating like my one data point to be great, this is the future, because it's not. Um, But it speaks that when I said, you it depends on the person in the city. So in New York, I'm now 37, I just had my first kid, we moved to the suburbs. Um, Now, if I go to the office two or three days a week, I can do all of the in-person stuff that like needs to be in person. And then I save the commute on the other days. that doesn't mean that working from home is better. There's just everything has trade-offs. And the thing when it comes to office space or anything else in life that always pisses me off is people like to talk about absolutes. So either the office is absolutely dead and you're effed if you own an office building or (laughs) the office is the only way and you have to go to the office. The answer with everything in life is there's this gray area and that's where the future is. And where the past has been too, people are already working, like we already had a flexible work from home policy. Which didn't mean work from home whenever you want, but it meant if you had to deal with a kid or uh, an elderly parent or your dog was sick, work from home that day. What do I care?
0: Yeah, you know, doing a lot of industry events, specifically in commercial, I was really interested in watching these companies talk about wellness, health, and wellness building into commercial buildings. You're like, this is just where you work. Like, what what are you talking about? And it seems like the co work and the hybrid environment where people are going to be able to sort of blend the Work and home and have a flexible schedule is just a, a perfect. It's just a perfect time. So I would agree with you. I think it is the future. Um, we work definitely put it on the map. There was a a sense of the spaces that they were creating were quite stunning. They were beautiful. Um, do you see any trends as far as the features that are in demand in, in the co working or the shared space? Um. Is it just a bench and a desk and (laughs) you're good to go? Or do you have to have the kegs and the pool table? Um, I
1: don't, I guess. um, I think with the shared stuff, it's usually location driven more than anything else. And there's also not that much variability between them, right? Right like there's WeWork, there's Industrious, there's Convene. Um, I guess Convene probably doesn't have much shared stuff. Actually not. There's I actually don't know that much about co-working, right? I know a lot about flexible space. I don't know a lot of much, sorry, I don't know a lot about if I just want to rent a desk somewhere, what's the best place to do that. We don't touch that business.
0: Let's uh, let's let's better define than flexible space for sure okay. to make sure we I have it right.
1: Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, no, sure. What, what? How do you find flex space?
1: Um, more definitively uh, flex space so- is shorter term leases. Okay. Shorter so- term leases that are uh, almost always turnkey. Uh, like you can walk in and just bring your laptop and plug in.
0: And more often times than not, you're going to be cohabitating with somebody who is there and that's their primary place of business?
1: Um, on an entire floor. You'd have a whole bunch of different offices. But I have my own, my company has like Property Radar has their office that I can't walk into. Square foot has their office that you can't walk into. Oh, okay. The floor is technically the floor is shared and they're shared amenities. Like we share the same kitchen and there's couches and phone booths and all that stuff, but we each have our own private office. Now co-working, and that's really like first off, you could do that with one person, but you definitely do that when you have 30 people. Like there's not many. 30 desk co-working deals because if there's 30 of us we don't want to be in the bullpen
0: no
1: um and i actually don't know the numbers but i don't think even like with if you look at WeWork, i don't think a very big percentage of their space is even co-working right Co-working being defined as like what people have in their mind's eye which is the benches and the desks and the dogs running around the kegs that i was flapping my gums about
0: Right, you know, I guess the only spaces that I've been to was a little bit of a hybrid of that. They had those spaces, and then it was always it had the offices around the edges. So I, I guess you're right. It is very different depending on where you are and what city. Now, you guys have really spread into other markets as well. I see you're in LA and San Diego, and you're in Texas. Um, when did that start?
1: Um, interesting way to phrase the question. So we technically started the business in Houston.
0: Oh, for some reason, I thought it really started only in New York. Okay. No,
1: it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So we started, no, it's fine. Uh, we do now New York is where we do most of our business. New York's the only market where we have uh, brokers in-house on staff um, in other markets, including Houston, Dallas, Austin, like really all the top 30 markets. Uh, we have partner brokers. Um, when, so the platform, sorry, taking a step back, squarefoot.com works everywhere. So for you as a tenant looking for space in Chicago, wherever, uh, you can go on square foot and and see inventory. Uh, And we can help you with the transaction, but just in Chicago, you're working with uh, a partner broker. In New York, you're working with a square foot broker and starting early next year in several other markets, uh, including uh, LA, um, there'll be square foot brokers.
0: Got it, all right, so you guys are spreading your brokerage that's not easy to do. That's a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of headlines that are um, talking about big companies exiting buildings. Um, do you think that's going to... I don't know. you think that's going to be a trend? Are you seeing a lot of companies give up big square footage and come to people like you? Or are they just ditching it and doing a hybrid model and just really rethinking how much space they're going to control?
1: Um, I think... I don't think people are leaving offices. I mean... Like the big tech companies where they keep getting all this ink, ink spread, which is like Google saying you can everybody's going to work from home. Actually, we'll use Facebook as an example. They said everybody can remote, sorry, everybody can work remote for the next year. And then like two weeks later, they signed a 700,000 square foot deal in New York. And then a couple weeks after that, I think the deal wound up closing, but they were buying like a $300 million uh, headquarters, the, sorry, the building that used to be the headquarters for REI, Uh, somewhere in the Northwest. So why? Right? Yeah. Um, So I don't think, I think, you know, we were talking about, right. So people have the option to work from home. Most people are not going to want to do that. So they need to go to an office. Like we're in this, this time where like everybody's losing their mind correctly. So over COVID and I need to get away from the big cities. So I'm going to go put my feet up on the beach in Tulum. And that's probably pretty fun for six months or a year, but that's not where you're going to live for the next 20 years. And then you, are you, I, yeah, are go you
0: ahead. Seeing any trends because of COVID where you have more on the brokerage side. Now you're having more uh, customers come to you looking for maybe not the ultra dense markets, uh, urban markets, like downtown, you know, the financial district in New York, but maybe some of the burbs in New
1: York. Um, you are seeing more uh, activity uh, outside of CBD. The question is how much that's temporary versus systemic. Like, is that a new normal?
0: And that plays very well into the model though, too, of not having to sign a, you know, a 10 year lease agreement. That's, that's pretty perfect.
1: Yeah. And ultimately we don't care, right? So the, if you think about like when you go to kayak, right, kayak, all the, all the kayak cares about is when you want to buy a plane ticket, you got a kayak. And they can sell you and your nine buddies who are going to Tahiti for the weekend, be a long weekend trip, uh, 10 first class tickets to Tahiti. And they'll also sell you um, a puddle jumper from LA to San Francisco. They don't care, right? And saying we don't care, right? So we do long-term leases for big companies who want 10 years and 20,000 square feet. And we do all the way down to the two of us want to rent two desks at a WeWork.
0: It's, uh, it's funny. Coming from the residential space, I like cringe a little bit because I think of a tenant living in a house for a year and then how much it's going to cost for a turnover. And commercial is just such a different <laughs> experience. <laughs> it makes me laugh. The data points. So, all right. Um, you guys are in New York right now. We're headed into winter. What are you experiencing in the commercial market with a potential lockdown coming on?
1: Um, hopefully not a lockdown. Um... Look, I don't know. Everybody says the stupid stuff like I'm not an epidemiologist. Look, I've been going back to the office for the last four months uh, a couple times a week. Uh, Each successive week I get on the train, there's more people going back to the office. Now, if all of a sudden like, stuff spikes and everybody gets scared for the correct reasons to get scared, that's going to change stuff. But we're also entering a time between Thanksgiving and Christmas where generally there's like a sprint between Thanksgiving and Christmas and everybody puts their pencils down come like depending on, I don't even know what day Christmas is this year, like day of the week type of thing. But then things slow down for a couple weeks. I think pencils will go down a little quicker this year, a little earlier than usual. I right. think it'll be a little sprint after Thanksgiving. And then I think people are going to put pencils down a little earlier this year than they usually do.
0: What are you excited about in the commercial space headed into 2021? What are some of the opportunities you see ahead?
1: Dude, so, I mean, look, as we sit here, I've never been more bullish on square foot on a five-year basis. The last five months have not been fun. The next five months are going to be kind of annoying. But what we've seen uh, in countless other industries is a a desire and demand to use technology to make your life better. Okay. And that has pent itself up in commercial real estate for a long time, pent itself up in grocery delivery for a long time until you had the catalyst. You're not ordering your grocery delivery online. You're going to the grocery store. Now you have a catalyst. Um, grocery delivery is something you need to do every day, every week, every month, whatever. So you're already seeing that um the cat's out of the bag there. It's not gonna go back.
0: Yeah, you were set up at the perfect time to really take advantage of the the catalyst, weren't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I don't look 2021 from a transaction perspective is not gonna look like twenty nineteen, which was like, you know, the biggest years ever. Um, there's a lot of pent up demand and it all starts online. Everybody starts their search for everything online. And that that snowball, I'm mixing a ton of metaphors here, but that snowball has been growing um every year forever. Yep. When I look
0: at the commercial data, the different kind of property types are having a, a very different experience. Hospitality, retail, obviously is struggling. Um, I think one of my favorite examples that I like to share is the the mall. I think it's in Delaware, the very first American mall that's now a co-working space on the bottom or a shared workspace. And it's got micro living on the second and third floor. Do you have people calling you asking about sort of deals in those categories, rethinking usage um, or getting new kinds of properties on the platform
1: um yes um, less so on the the people who own and represent those properties want to get them on the platform um i think we have few less demand for that type of stuff um, <laughs> But again, we're the platform, so we don't care, right?
0: You'll you'll list it. I was going to say, do you kick them off and say, yeah, nobody wants that. That's a terrible idea.
1: (laughs) This gets back to my thesis, which is like, I don't think CBD office space is going anywhere. Okay. okay? As long as I still think that's 80%. It doesn't matter what I think, right? Again, I'm the platform. So (laughs) I put it out there and like, look, Airbnb doesn't care. Like when Airbnb started, they're not like, oh, I think that people are going to rent out entire houses for months of time on it. Or okay. you have like jungle gyms and wherever on it. They're just the platform. They don't care. We don't care. And you, if I, I can be completely wrong. All I need to believe is that people want to rent office space somewhere, and then I'm okay. happy.
0: What other data points are you seeing? Are there any cities that are just on fire, or uh, is the is the are headlines true that there's a mass exodus from New York and nothing's ever going to be the same?
1: <laughs> I. The less time somebody reads the news, the better off they'll be. Amen to that. yeah,
0: i don't I don't believe much into that and preparing for this interview, trying to re- read as much as possible on on the in this specific commercial and the office space sector. It's really depending on the news source. It's all over the place. and what's reliable source of data and which headlines should you be paying attention to? None <laughs> Is there a favorite space that you like that you think is trustworthy for commercial data?
1: Yeah, squarefoot.com. Call me anytime.
0: Oh, yeah. You you keep track of a lot of data points uh, as a company?
1: People keep coming in. I mean, people were inquiring Office Space, excuse my language, effing April 1st. <laughs> not as much as February 1st. And But there were still people looking for space online. I mean, it's just... It's not a good headline, which is some people still want office space nobody's going to write that headline.
0: <laughs> it's not sexy. Of course not. <laughs> uh, do you Go see ahead. much any price pressure um, in either direction?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Pricing is off a ton. Nobody really knows where pricing is because uh, there's a ton of supply and not enough demand at the minute. And you do have people who, you, look, if I had a lease that was up tomorrow, I wouldn't renew it because I we're using like, a third of the people are in the office on any given day. Right. Why am I going to spend three thirds on office space? And that's, that's today. Today's a slightly different decision because hopefully the vaccines are out in the next couple of weeks. And I heard a stat the other day, you know, tens of millions of people have it, have the vaccine um, by the first quarter of next year. So things start looking a little different now than when we were having this conversation, April 1st, April 1st, everybody correctly was like, I don't know what the future looks like. Right. right know what the next year looks like. So if I had a lease rolling April 1st, May 1st, June 1st, I'm giving it up. So that puts a lot of uh supply back into the market. Uh not to mention there's people who uh were trying to sublease their space. They're saying great we're not going to use this space for next year. Let's try and get out of it. So all of that, you start having more supply and demand is not picking up, sorry, is not like growing from where you were February first. Uh that puts downward pricing pressure on, on, on rents. Okay
0: what with the a lot of the great vaccine talk that has happened over the last couple of weeks have you noticed any trends in the data as far as people coming back and maybe being tipping their toes in the water a little bit
1: yeah i mean we've closed
0: we closed three transactions this week okay
1: so that's um, a quicker pace than we have been for the last few weeks
0: I forgot who I was talking to this week. I Oh, I was uh, interviewed on a podcast in New York. I'm like, you should never uh, rule New Yorkers
1: out. They don't play. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. The stupid thing. Sorry, I shouldn't be so dismissive. If, if there's, uh, there's a, uh, the company castle that does like the billing access codes, uh, billing access cards. Okay. Uh, they've been putting out their stats for when people are going back to the office. And m- most of the, so New York's at seventeen percent. San Francisco is like fourteen percent. The national average is twenty-seven percent. Houston, Dallas, Austin uh, are all like thirty-nine to forty-five percent. LA's high thirties, and that's like pre-vaccine and going to a bunch of spaces that aren't like weren't designed to be safe for COVID, and they are now safe for COVID, and that has been happening for months at a time. And you haven't seen spikes. Like you can go back to the office in a lot of places. The challenges in New York are that uh, people again, correctly um, you have transit issues, right? So not everybody wants to get on a crowded subway. So I'm happy when I'm at the office, which is uh, our office, the windows are open. We have um, air purifiers, everybody's socially distanced. It's like pretty safe. But then somebody's like, well, how do I get to the office Mm. Uh, in LA, right? You said you're just outside of LA uh, people drive to the office in Houston. People drive to the office. So that's not a challenge. Uh, and I believe, and apparently a lot of other people believe that working from an office is better than not working from an office. If you're trying to work, that doesn't (laughs) mean that remote work is not awesome because I can play with my kid and I love my kid. I just had my first one. It's been amazing. But if I play with my kid for 30 minutes in the middle of the day, I'm not working. And that's fine. Right. And I'm the CEO and I don't have special rules. And everybody can go play with their kids whenever they want. But the thing that is annoying about the conversation is not what is better or worse, right? Because there's trade-offs with each. Right. And I won't go on that soapbox for the third time now.
0: <laughs> do you do you help clients at all? Is there you have information on your site for small companies, entrepreneurs that are thinking about uh, going into this kind of space? Um, how to do it right? How to do it wrong? Do your brokers help people find the right kind of inventory?
1: Yeah, all that stuff. There's a bunch of educational resources on the site and um, we believe pretty strongly uh, that we've seen uh, people want help in the process. We have brokers kind of on call to, to guide our clients through that process.
0: So what's next for you guys? Where do you plan on um, growing and maybe your, some technology features that you're eyeing uh, in the years ahead?
1: Um, Yeah. New markets and can look, the goal for us has always been um, companies struggle in their space, search, transaction, occupancy. So every day we wake up and say, how do we make uh, the lives of our clients better? And that's with technology sometimes and service lines the other times. Um, So going forward and, and bringing that to more people, right? So that's more markets. That's, continuing to, to innovate with stuff like pivot desk or flex by square foot. Um, more of the same, right? Which is good. We still have a ton of work to do. Uh, we also think there's a much better experience for brokers. So we've done uh, a bunch of work on that side and we've been able to recruit some, some pretty top talent uh, to support us there.
0: Do you find that more people come in through the service side um, or through the brokerage side?
1: Uh, most people start, so one of these big assumptions for us that's played itself out is that everybody starts their search online but wants to finish it with a broker, right? So you Google New York City office space, you find us, you get to see a bunch of stuff and you say, great, I need help now, right? Same thing that happens on the residential side. Oh yeah,
0: it's uh-huh. it's totally people driven that even even the newer generation predominantly plan on using a realtor at some point in the tra- transaction. They want people.
1: You want, not just that you want people, like the, these are big transactions that you don't do very frequently and you don't want to fuck up. So, right. Exactly.
0: You it don't want to, it's yeah. It's a lot of money, especially in New York city. You don't want to mess it up. <laughs> now, did you, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about the process of being in technology. And, uh, you had mentioned, uh, angel funding and the process of growing as an entrepreneur, a technology company within the commercial space. Uh, had you had any experience doing that or how did you even start?
1: Yeah, none. I mean, I knew real estate. I mean, new real estate. I was in real estate before, right? Um, I started my career at JLL in 2007. Um, more on the finance side, doing capital markets work. Um, so I knew some stuff about real estate. I didn't know the first thing about tech. Uh, about tech, about product, about digital marketing, uh, kind of all the things that we need to know now uh, as we build square Squarefoot uh, has been yeah. uh, <laughs> caught on fire.
0: I could see that being somewhat important. <laughs> okay, uh, how did you learn?
1: Uh, look, you learn enough to be annoying, and then you make sure you hire people who know everything.
0: Outsource what you're not good at. Got it. Um, when it came to angel investing, um, when you're when you're seeking investors, is there anything that helped you stand out uh, that sold the concept?
1: Um. Look, when we first came started a handful of years ago, uh, look, prop tech, wasn't a word, um, <laughs> yep. real estate, we were able to find a bunch of real estate people that kind of understood the pain points they invested. And we found a couple of VCs that, uh, believed in us and the division and the mission. So, uh, it's a lot easier to do that now, right? Cause there's a lot more people that check both of those boxes. Um, but yeah, we got it done. Uh,
0: not coming from the technology space and real estate being a very stodgy, <laughs> we're just not exactly known for being great at uh, technology in the real estate space. So I always enjoy uh, interviewing technology companies in prop tech and how'd you get started? What made you think this was even a good idea and if it would be adopted? um, So many in the industry just want the easy button and they want to work with people. They don't want to push buttons for some reason.
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, like- Easy button for everything, but it doesn't exist for anything. So Amen <laughs> to that one. <laughs> Quit looking for it. <laughs> so,
0: um, what's uh, so you're going to be expanding? Are you going to move from New York City?
1: Like me personally? Yeah. Uh, not yet. I'm a kid that. No, we're happy here. I love it here.
0: You said Westchester, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's a great. It's not that far. How is it now? <laughs> How long is it about 45 minutes out of the city train ride?
1: I mean, I'm like if I get the express train, it's 33 minutes, 34 minutes from my station to Grand Central. It's easy. I, I really like the commute. At some point, I won't. I, we've talked about it before. I, I don't like the cold, so I'm not looking forward to that in the middle of February. Uh, but the commute itself is is pretty easy and you know I like especially now when I'm working from home, uh, having an hour each way, it is actually nice to have just some time to yourself.
0: Just, I I miss that actually living in New York City. The time on the A train going all the way back up to Washington Heights, uh, just to unplug, read, hang out. It's nice, and it's different in LA because you have to drive a car and pay attention. It's not fun. Right. So, when you open up your second home base, it's going to have to be somewhere else like Florida. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any too many other questions for you. Is there any other topic that we should cover before we part ways today? Uh, You tell me. I'm trying to think. We've covered urban and suburban. It sounds like you guys really don't care about the property type either. Do you, are you getting excited at any other kind of commercial, like industrial, retail, hospitality in the year ahead? Or do you think the vaccine will just make people go back and be like, you know what? It's office. Let it be office.
1: Well, I mean, the people who needed industrial space will still need industrial space. The people who need retail will still need retail. The people who need office will still need office. I, I just, I have a heart, maybe like I'm too conservative in my thoughts here, but I think the future looks a lot like the past, at least like the near future looks like the near past.
0: I, I'm, I'm getting a sense that people just are so desperate to go back to the way things were as soon as we can. We definitely will.
1: <laughs> the old way wasn't, like the old way wasn't perfect, but neither is remote work. So no. kind of, you're poison. Like people, I remember when I, I had my first job, my mom denied saying this, but I didn't love my first job. And she said, uh, well, that's why they call it work. <laughs> like, I hope everybody loves what they do. I love what I do, but that doesn't mean that like everything about it is perfect all of the time. And this gets back to this like, I'll choose my words wisely. There are people who go on Twitter or in the Wall Street Journal or wherever and say, Nobody's ever going to use an office again. Like, See how much happier everybody is. That's just not true. Neither of those things are true. And then they'll say, oh, no, no, we're just in the middle of a global pandemic, so you can't actually compare this to what it should be. Okay, fine. We'll stop caviar and everything.
0: Right. What do you think it's going to take to be a really awesome commercial broker headed into 2021? I've never had, uh, we've never interviewed a, a commercial broker on before. What are some of the skill sets you're looking for to hire new brokers? What, what do you think makes a good one?
1: Uh, well, first, you should work for Square Foot if you want to do well by your clients and like your life. Um, look, it's just like uh, a lot of other, like you have to be hardworking, you have to be smart, um, creative, you have to be able to listen to people because you have clients um a lot of brokers talk instead of listen and they're not very good brokers uh you have to put your client's interest before your own right like the goal is not to get them the biggest space it's to get them the space that works best for them um so it's, look everything in life is a long-term game so okay. do right by people do right by your clients everything will work out all right
0: all right if uh, if we have people interested in learning more about uh, the commercial becoming a commercial agent side, uh, all that information on squarefoot.com as well. Yes, sir. Very cool. Yep, there's a very simple tool on the website so you can explore some of the cities that uh, you guys operate in and uh, explore some of the spaces. That was pretty cool to watch. Um, and any social media we should be following in particular, where you guys like to put stuff out?
1: Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. It must be a nice picture of office space.
0: <laughs> very cool uh just curious do you have a favorite building in new york
1: oh that's a good question uh cliche but probably the Flatiron building
0: really okay i don't i don't know if i've been in the flat iron building
1: actually i've never been in it but it's just so like if you're coming from midtown to downtown um Broadway and fifth like split and there's a building there and especially at like the right time of day, uh, and the right time of year, like people are playing in in Madison square park. There's actually a little triangle that must be like 24th and 25th there. That's like closed to everything but pedestrians and people are hanging out there. Um, but you can like see all the way down fifth Avenue and you can see all the way down Broadway and there's a building right there. What else could you ask for? That's why nobody's going to, whatever. I won't go down.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You sound like a hardcore New Yorker, man. <laughs> They've converted you. You're never going to be able to move.
1: It uh, there's a lot of look. I'm from Houston. I love Houston. I would love to live in Houston. I think every city. This gets back to again. It doesn't make the best headlines, but everything has plus and minuses. There's some really amazing things about New York. There's some things that aren't great about New York, and I'll say that about most places.
0: Do you guys? I don't know. Do you have? I've been asking this question a lot in the residential space. What makes a great city? And I'm sure you get that question from clients maybe looking to expand into different markets. Are there things that you're hearing right now that they're demanding? Is it what? Is it quality of life? Is it access to arts and culture? Is it cheap homes? I don't know.
1: It's- it's all of that. Look again. Sorry, I'm broken record. There's plus and minuses, right? So there's some things that only density can have, right? You want a thousand restaurants, you have to be in New York City. Depends what you like. If you want to go to a new restaurant every Tuesday, it's a lot harder to do that, even in a city like Houston. And Houston has an amazing food scene, but you just you don't have a hundred different Italian restaurants, which is fine. Maybe you do, maybe you don't need a hundred Italian restaurants. I don't. It's not for me to say what one needs or not um but there's something and, and houston's the fourth largest city you go to like the 20th largest city or the 50th largest like everybody i don't know poor boise people like oh yeah i'm just gonna like move to boise boise is a lovely place there aren't 150 restaurants there period much less 150 different italian restaurants boise has a lot of really nice things about it like life's about trade-offs if you want a ton of land you want to like you know, go golfing every day after work or play on your ranch. Like these are all like lovely things. Um,
0: So you're not, you're not getting pressure to add the sort of a features list, like what's close in the neighborhood, close by and on top of the office, you know, space,
1: obviously. (laughs) Yes. um, I mean, in New York, we do a lot of work in New York and New York doesn't, that's not a useful search in New York because every block has everything you need.
0: That's true. That's very true. And that's more of a suburban market thing where you might not have access to Cuban food and it's just an absolute sin. So, right. <laughs> okay, totally got it. All right, so squarefoot.com, I'll make sure to post all the links to uh, what you guys produce on Twitter and LinkedIn, as you said, and I really and appreciate and your time today.
1: Sorry, and pivotdeath.com.
0: Oh, okay, I, you know what? What's on pivotdesk.com? that's a little bit different?
1: Yeah, that's the, um, we were talking about how if I have too much space, Mm-hmm. I put it on PivotDesk.com. That's what I put on PivotDesk.com.
0: Got it. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was... Um, so if you have extra space, you can go there and self-register.
1: Yeah. Or if you're looking for, uh, by the way, not just extra space, but also the co-working providers on PivotDesk. PivotDesk is more like very small deals.
0: Oh, got it. So uh, if I'm in a market outside of LA and I've got some extra, does does you don't care as a platform, you'll list it? Anywhere. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. I'm I might have some ideas for you. <laughs> Very cool. All right. I will make sure to put put both. I didn't realize that it wasn't part of Squarefoot. Fine. So
1: my job to mention it.
0: I'm on it. All right. I will make sure to post uh, uh things on that as well. Very cool. Thank you for taking your time on a Friday. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure and have a nice weekend, man.
0: All right, see you later. Thank you for listening to the
1: Data-Driven Real
0: Estate Podcast. You can find show notes and links to some of the resources mentioned in the show at datadrivenrealestate.com. Click that, join the community, and you'll be forwarded to the Property Radar community where you can ask questions about the current show and even see upcoming guests and ask questions there. We'd love to engage with you in the community, so check it out. Please don't forget to like, favorite, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform where you're listening to the show. It helps us out a great deal. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.